today on TLA Pakistan Innovation Hub series. There is going to be a lot of fear yeah. within the organization, especially on the mm. business side. Mm-hmm. Our chatbot is going to replace me. Uh, is AI going to is, is going to take AI going to take over my job? Hello everyone, welcome to our first episode of TLA Pakistan Innovation Hub series. I'm Humair Anbar and I will be your host for this overall podcast. Uh, I hope you all are doing okay and well in this difficult time. Before moving on to our episode one, I would like to take a brief amount of your time to talk about TLA Pakistan and its initiative. So TLA Pakistan is the country chapter of uh, Tech Learner Advocates and Global Tech Advocates. Um, as its name suggests, uh, we are a network of more than 9,000 tech leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, and industrial experts spread it across 50 countries. With Pakistan chapter, we want to create a global bridge, a bridge that connects tech, trade and talent between Pakistan and all over the world. Therefore, we have started this podcast series to feature thought leaders, disruptors and industrial experts from Pakistan and other parts of the world to talk about their knowledge and experiences that could be an asset for the upcoming generation. We would have conversations on variety of topics. So tune into our podcast on Thursday or Friday every week to listen to our amazing panel of speakers. You can also be our guest on this podcast series. You just have to follow our social media pages and accounts to have more detail about it. Now, let's move on to our interview. In this episode, I will be interviewing an incredibly talented veteran in software development and consultancy. This person has started off his career with a bachelor's degree in avionics engineering and served for more than a decade in Pakistan Air Force, after which he comes to UK for further studies, majoring in information technology and conducted a doctoral level research in performance monitoring of computer networks funded by British Telecom from the Borough University. Since then, he has worked with multiple organizations in Pakistan, UAE and UK, engineering innovative solutions to technical problems, designing and implementing system and software, as well as leading diversified teams across the globe. The one of the key highlights of his career is building and leading large, large distributed agile teams successfully delivering cloud-based enterprise technology with a professional journey of 30 years and still counting. He's a proud Pakistani and tech geek. So let's welcome Umar Bashir. Hi, Umar. How are you doing? Hi, Umar. Thank you very much for the kind words and uh, a nice introduction. So uh, am I all right with the, uh, with the introduction? Is it completely okay or I, I have got something missing or something wrong in that? I think I think that's a, that's a very concise yet comprehensive uh, introduction of my career. Yeah, that's great. So first of all, before moving to anything, tell me how you are coping with this. Is it uh, hectic? Is it boring? How it is it? 
So you're you're talking about the coronavirus lockdown. Yes, this whole yeah. pandemic. So, so yeah, this is this is an interesting one. So um, uh, in the sense that I I normally like uh, interacting with people and mm-hmm. being uh, being present with my teams. So yeah. uh, wherever I can be. So so from that perspective, it was challenging in the beginning, but it is something that we have to deal with. So yeah. it's. Uh, it's rolling up the sleeves and getting on with it. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> okay. So, yes, uh, I was just stalking you on LinkedIn, Umar, by the way. Yeah. Okay. I hope you don't mind that. No, no, that's <laughs> okay. So, I just been through it and I just find it out that you have started your journey with avionics engineering and then you yeah. shifted yourself into IT. You have even served in Pakistan Air Force for, for, for 12 years and that's so much. So how this decision come up that first of all, you go into the avionics thing and then how this whole experience of 12 years of working in Pakistan Air Force have been and when did you decide to switch and why and how you have come up with this number one thing. Okay, so um, uh, when I was going through my schooling in Pakistan, so I, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I was raised in a city called Rawalpindi and uh, okay. that, that being in the Potwar region of Pakistan, uh, most people tend to uh, aspire uh, towards a military career after school. Yeah. So, so uh, and it's, 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 it's very common for a class of 50 um, after the final metric exam, uh, 45 mm-hmm. of them end, ending mm-hmm. up in a military selection center. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. So true, I true. ended up, yeah, so I ended up uh, at, at, at the Air Force uh, Selection Center. I had a, I had a passion for aviation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to build models and read about planes quite a lot. Um, and I ended up uh, getting selected for the Air Force. Uh, but at that okay. time, uh, I had a conversation with my father who uh, suggested that it would be a good idea that I I, uh, I go in a professional service rather than, uh, uh, rather than flying. Yeah, not that I did not have. Yeah, not mm-hmm. not that I did not have an interest in flying, but it's just that uh, a professional service. Uh, he said that would give me an opportunity to grow. So that's mm-hmm. where I went into engineering. Now in engineering, there were two specializations: avionics and aerospace. And uh, interestingly, we are required to study the first year uh, together, both both the both the disciplines together. So mm-hmm. we make a choice mm-hmm. after first year. So I was all set to go uh, towards aerospace engineering because of my interest in uh, um, all things flying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in the final semester before we were supposed to make the choice, uh, we were taught electronics engineering by a very passionate and uh, inspiring uh, instructor. And, uh, and then, and he ignited the interest in electronics in me. And that's, that's where I ended up um, picking up avionics. Yeah. So so that's interesting. Reaching, yeah, that's reaching into avionics engineering. Yeah. After I worked, uh, initially worked on more kind of like hardware electronics mm-hmm. based uh, systems, um, mm-hmm. which were largely aircraft based communication and navigation mm-hmm. systems. Mm-hmm. Um, but then later on in my career, I started moving more towards uh, software engineering. So uh, coding and uh, programming and uh, uh, building technology which is more software based so okay. uh, so so from there I, I, I got into uh, initially into embedded systems programming from mm-hmm. there to uh, larger applications and then eventually into enterprise mm-hmm. systems 
yeah right so uh how come your parents have allowed you to to go into this new dimension of your career you have the most safest incredible and a dream of a job yes. and you just leave that being a pakistani you just leave mm. that and move yeah. into something new go for a postgrad degree and then a phd how does it come up with your parents specifically so that, how was that experience yeah so it was uh, it it was a mixed bag of things so it wasn't it mm-hmm. wasn't uh, uh, it, it's not always uh, uh it's it's not always uh, like a, a, a straightforward thing so in mm-hmm. uh, um, in terms of getting postgraduate education they were all for it and uh, mm-hmm. they, they they were they were they were, sup- they were fully supportive mm-hmm. but uh, how the, how how to go about that postgraduate education and yeah. then question about leaving the air force so mm-hmm. that was an interesting question that came about so i i was offered a scholarship by the air force to mm-hmm. do my masters but uh, okay. then with with that comes additional bond so it means you have to serve mm-hmm. for additional time period mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i thought that that would be uh, very challenging to 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 make that decision very early in my career would be very very challenging to have a yeah. kind of like a very long career uh, mm-hmm. with, the, with the air force um and uh, so i opted out of it and mm-hmm. i decided to uh, take study leave and pursue it on on my parents uh, funding so okay. i so so i i went for masters on my parents funding so so mm-hmm. that way i did not have that long bond mm-hmm. to fulfill mm-hmm. and that gave me the that gave me the flexibility to make a choice whether yeah. i wanted to stay with the air force mm-hmm. or i wanted mm-hmm. to pursue a career outside the air force now when that time came uh, yes there were mixed feelings from my parents in the sense that mm. uh, it's a prestigious career within yeah. pakistan but then uh, also uh, the growth opportunities growth when i talk about growth mm. uh, i mean intellectual and technical and professional growth mm. uh, those opportunities exist more uh, in uh, in a non military career yeah. uh, and and then you are much more in control of which direction you want to take yes true 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 right with the engineering perspective i had this really important question for you because um i have been in pakistan for most of my life i i'm i'm just in uk for like my studies so okay. we always have this kind of uh, difficulty and confusion in faces of our students right now that you know what are we going to do after getting this degree although they are studying in a very good uh, studying in very good universities they have the faculty is very nice everybody is phd in something whoever is teaching over there but still uh, students are very confused uh, in pakistan specifically and mm-hmm. uh, when you talk about engineering subjects so you know uh, we are still teaching mechanical engineering and electronics engineering as a separate engineering domains mm-hmm. so what do you suggest to the upcoming students that what subjects or what field specifically they should take in engineering if they are planning an engineering career and you know what they can look into future what is future to offer to them because they are confused all of them are confused what to do and what not to do so this is a, a very interesting question and i would narrate a story a very short story to it and mm-hmm. uh, we had a very inspiring um uh, uh lecturer in digital systems and uh, unfortunately he passed away very young uh, mm-hmm. but in a class and he was 
was an AFIT graduate, Air Force, uh, United States Air Force mm -hmm. Institute of Technology. Mm -hmm. He had done uh, his master's mm -hmm. from there. So uh, very dynamic, very inspiring. And uh, he finished his lecture about five or 10 minutes early one day. And uh, we were just having a casual conversation with him. Mm -hmm. So somebody asked that, so how do you, how do you know everything about this subject? So he had a smile on his face and he was like, I don't know everything about the subject. I just know how to learn what I need to learn mm. uh, when I need it. When I need so it. I've developed, so I've de he, he said that he had built his foundations mm. and then on those foundations, he, and, and plus he has built his uh, uh, learning abilities and learning stamina to mm. learn things when he needs to learn when he needs them or when he requires them. So mm -hmm. what, uh, what people should not get into is uh, a sense of uh, comfort that they've achieved a degree and that's about it. They, they, mm -hmm. that, that, that they've done, they've, they've mm -hmm. learned what they, needs, they need to learn in that subject. Mm -hmm. What they should think after getting their degree is that mm -hmm. they have covered some foundations mm -hmm. that give them the ability to learn more mm -hmm. and then while trying to achieve their degree they have built up some stamina to learn and mm -hmm. they should continuously practice that stamina they should not let that stamina go down yeah right uh, and and they should be ready to learn something new every mm -hmm. month or every fortnight they should have some sort of a plan i'm going to learn something new or i'm going to try some solving some mm -hmm. new problem or mm -hmm. some new puzzle now there's another interesting aspect to um, qualifications and professions mm -hmm. in pakistan and and the aspect there is that if you get a mechanical engineering degree, then people think that you will only do mechanical engineering yeah. or, or you'll only pursue mechanical engineering yeah, uh, related, related professions. But you have a lot of crossover in the knowledge that you achieve mm -hmm. in various qualifications. So mm -hmm. it, is, it is important for people to understand, uh, the, uh, the, the students to understand and realize that if they are doing mechanical engineering or electrical engineering, there will be areas where there'll be crossover and, mm -hmm. and they will be able to apply their knowledge from one area to another. Now, if I take my own example, I did avionics engineering, which is mm -hmm. uh, electronics applied to aviation. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm now working in, in the software domain, but mm -hmm. the ability to understand hardware technology helps mm -hmm. me write software that sits uh -huh. well on the on, on on the hardware on the, the hardware, hardware yeah. uh, on the hardware that's operating i'm able to uh, use a lot of um a lot of my knowledge in designing systems mm -hmm. uh, hardware systems and apply them to designing software systems and mm -hmm. i have found that uh, those techniques serve me very well i mean the le levels of abstraction mm -hmm. or the kind of abstractions mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you use while building hardware mm -hmm. systems Mm -hmm. uh, fit sometimes fit very well with the level kind of abstractions you use mm -hmm. in software systems. So, mm -hmm. so people should think about and look at what is also look at what is what is what is transferable. What what transferable skills and knowledge that they are acquiring in their mm -hmm. degree, and mm -hmm. where all can they apply? Because you may never know what piques your interest. Yes. You, you, when you go out in the big world and uh, true. And and then you should have you should you should never feel uh, underconfident that 
you will have to start from the rock bottom because you may mm-hmm. have a lot of knowledge and skills from mm-hmm. previous mm-hmm. Uh, education yeah. that you could apply elsewhere yeah. as well. True. That's that's really nice of you, no doubt. So I think the the students who are confused have have a very very good answer for this. So you have done a master's here and PhD from both of them are from Loboro University, right? And then you just move into your career. So how was the experience of your PhD? What have you done in your PhD? And is it the funding, the, the funding part, which is from British Telecom that has been specifically mentioned? It's a, is, it, is it something that you have approached? I mean, you have got your funding or Loboro University help you into it? And how you shape your career from after that your postgrad and phd degree so uh, what opportunities you have started getting it and now you're a consultant so how how everything got into place okay so uh, as i mentioned before that my uh, masters was funded by my parents mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um and for my masters i, ch- I chose a conversion uh, course in information technology now the mm-hmm. conversion course uh, at loughborough university was very interesting in the sense that um it had three streams. One was on human factors and organizational change, which was mm-hmm. more for mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. wanted to pursue a more management-oriented uh, uh, streak from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. The other one was in computer studies, which was uh, computing studies, which was like more computer science-oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the third one was in electronics communication. So I decided to choose. I decided to choose this subject and specialize in electronics communication because that was closely okay. tied to avionics engineering. So it wasn't mm-hmm. a it wasn't a very radical change from electronics, mm, from electronics into software. To yeah, software. So, so, mm-hmm. so, so exactly. So, um, so that electronic communication was basically embedded system design and uh, digital communications and things like that. So, so mm. it was, it was quite similar to a lot of things that I was doing before, mm. but it mm-hmm. was also quite heavy on software engineering and coding mm-hmm. and computer science subjects as well. So, uh, after that, I, uh, I did not, I never had a plan to do a PhD. Okay. So it was, it was, it was never in the plan. So I was able to get a four year uh, study leave. Okay. I, uh, the master's in UK is one year. So I, mm-hmm. I still had about three years, three, uh, years. To do, three years to do something. Mm-hmm. So um, I managed to get a visiting academic ship for about nine months at Loughborough University mm-hmm. after my mm-hmm. master's. And mm-hmm. that visiting academic ship was basically working with the research group that I did my master's dissertation with, working with them on small technical practical projects and doing some some research, writing some papers. And uh, when I neared the end of it, that research group got a grant from uh, British Telecom to to do one year's uh, research work in network performance monitoring. Mm -hmm. And uh, that grant meant that they had to hire a research assistant now because okay. of uh, because of uh, visa regulations uh, i could not get that role as a research assistant mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but True. my professor suggested my professor suggested that uh, if i'm interested it can be converted into a studentship in a student yeah right so i could do the same research for british telecom mm-hmm. not as a research associate but as a research student as a research student yeah and then he could u- use that bursary and convert it into a mm. convert it into a uh, a studentship mm-hmm. now that way and british telecom agreed to that and that mm-hmm. way we uh, the research uh, we were able to do the research that british telecom wanted mm-hmm. and i was also able to get my phd mm-hmm. and 
uh, was able to publish some papers. So, so that, that mm -hmm. was an interesting um, sort of a diversion in my career, but yeah. it had, uh, or, uh, but, but it had profound consequences, uh, positive consequences. And so mm -hmm. one of the consequences was that uh, I managed to get into the academic career. So that helped me when, yeah. I, when I went back to Pakistan, that helped me get um, uh, visiting lectureships in universities. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, and, and then that, 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 that was quite interesting because I was able to uh, not just teach, but also interact with uh, a lot of students, a lot, a lot of, of academics in yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, so that was mm -hmm. that was a good uh, side mm -hmm. effect, very, mm -hmm. very, very beneficial side effect. For me. <laughs> so from, from there, I, I well, once my four years were up, I had to go mm -hmm. back to Pakistan to finish my military service, mm -hmm. which ended in two thousand mm -hmm. and two, uh, and and at that time, I joined a Silicon Valley startup uh, with a development center in Pakistan and okay, okay. Uh, worked with them for about a year. Mm -hmm. And uh, before I moved out of Pakistan, so mm -hmm. I spent a year in Rasul Khema. They were setting up a new mm -hmm. university there, and they needed uh, help in setting up their computer engineering department and the labs mm -hmm. and the curriculum. So I worked with mm -hmm. them for a year mm -hmm. uh, before I came back to the UK. Mm -hmm. And how does UK career looks like? How do you land it on jobs? How does it? Is it a contractual job or full time? How is it? And you, you, you have also worked for Morgan Stanley. So, what was it? Yeah, so, it's a, it, it's been an interesting journey. So, um, I, uh, my, my first job back in the UK was again with Loughborough University as a research associate okay. on the same project that had been going on in my absence. Also, that oh, was continuing. Oh, on okay, that's that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. So, but the interesting thing about this uh, project was that it was in a ramp down phase because mm. uh, British Telecom were. Uh, beginning to look at other ways of perform monitoring their mm -hmm. networks. So they wanted to ramp it down mm -hmm. and then end it. Mm -hmm. So everybody gets an opportunity to work on a new project, mm -hmm. or, but, but very few people get a project uh, opportunity to work on a project, which is kind of like scaling back or rolling down. Yeah, or rolling true, true. So it was a good opportunity for a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and after that year, I uh, moved uh, into purely software development, which mm -hmm. was uh, initially starting with the logistics domain. Mm -hmm. So working for a company that built uh, automated warehousing and logistics solutions. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was quite an intense experience. I uh, worked on a number of different technologies in a mm -hmm. very interesting domain. And after mm -hmm. working there for nearly about two years, uh, I was approached by uh, a headhunter who uh, asked me to consider opportunities in the financial services domain. Mm. And I had not pursued that domain because I always thought that um, I would uh, be required to know something about the financial, financial services. Financial thing, yeah, true. Yeah. But uh, uh, it was quite interesting to find out that uh, how quickly, if you have strong technical and numerate uh, background, mm. how easy it is to pick up those concepts. Yes. And, uh, so, so that's why if people are thinking about financial technology and uh, working in financial services technology, mm -hmm. um, it is, uh, uh, and, and, and they're holding themselves back because they think that they don't know about the domain. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's I, I would always advise them to uh, uh, approach uh, 
the headhunters, talk to them, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. or also to approach the career, uh, go to the career websites of different banks and financial mm-hmm, services institutions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, reach out to them and communicate with them because they are always looking mm-hmm. for strong technical talent, yeah. and uh, and and the financial industry concepts are not that difficult for people with numerate. Uh, mm. background to pick mm-hmm, up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that's how I ended up starting with Merrill Lynch uh, 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 just before the financial crash of 2008 uh, mm-hmm. and then moving on to EDF trading which is uh, the trading part of Electricity de France mm. um, and I spent about four years there in commodities trading uh, mm-hmm. especially power commodities or energy commodities mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's an area of financial services that I really enjoy Mm-hmm. And uh, and from there, I went into Morgan Stanley again in power trading, uh, mm-hmm. uh, building, building technology systems for power trading. Mm-hmm. Now, throughout this time, uh, I was using concepts that I developed from very early on in my engineering career all mm-hmm. the way even today. So, for mm-hmm. example, the algorithms and the coding styles and the design patterns that I was using mm-hmm for building data communication components mm-hmm. for Pakistan Air Force were exactly, okay. the same, were exactly the same concepts that I was using for in the logistics domain for yeah, that's interesting. Inter- interfacing, yeah, interfacing machines with mm-hmm. warehousing, comp- interfacing machines and warehousing mm-hmm. components. And those were mm-hmm. the same sort of concepts that I was using in interfacing financial institutions with trading yeah. exchanges. Yeah. So it's uh, as I said before that you carry with you as you go through life, you your your toolbox of mm. skills and experience and knowledge uh, yeah. accumulates a lot of transferable skills mm. and experience that you so can take. So it's just true that level. knowledge never get and knowledge never wasted. Knowledge is never wasted. Knowledge is never wasted. Knowledge is knowledge skills always and overlapping. Experience into yes. another another thing yeah exactly, that's exactly. Good. and it's, you mentioned, it's important to, yeah. yeah it's important yeah. it's important always important to uh, to to take a step back once in a while and mm-hmm. look inside that toolbox and yes. see what all you have and 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 how can you use that how can for you your, use each of it uh, yeah in, in in your current endeavors you mentioned 2008 recession yes so how was it i was i was i was just studying at that time so i do not care about anything of like that but people like my father and other people talks about it and it's worst it's worst in pakistan at least what mm-hmm. about you how did you face it how did you cope with that so it was uh, it was a frightening time it was a challenging mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. um uh, I had also seen the dot com bubble burst. So, yeah. uh, dot com bubble burst was uh, was was my first, I would say, conscious sort of a recession. Uh, <laughs> I, it was it was like I mean there there, there were recessions yeah. in the eighties also, mm-hmm, but it wasn't mm-hmm. like at that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't yeah, think about you don't bother. Yeah, but exactly. But the dot com bubble burst was my first conscious one, which mm-hmm. I kind of like very briefly touched at the tail end of that because mm. uh, I was still in the Air Force and uh, mm. and I got out of the Air Force in 2002 and then uh, I saw a little bit of it with that uh, Silicon Valley startup that I was working with, the impact mm-hmm. on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the financial services uh, uh, crash in the 2008 yeah. was the one that I lived through it as a professional fully from the start to mm-hmm. the beginning. And it's... Uh, it can be scary mm-hmm. and uh, you would see 
people uh, being made redundant uh, stress mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Uh, stress on 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 people on your colleagues uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and the stress and the challenge that the mm-hmm. organizations and the businesses are facing actually to mm-hmm. continue to continue mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, sort of serve their customers and uh, perform so one of the things that i noticed was that uh, uh, a lot of people who had uh, I, I found those people m- most challenged by who were who had become stagnant mm-hmm. who, had, uh, who had not who had not developed themselves from a career skills mm-hmm. knowledge perspective and there they mm-hmm. had become stagnant mm-hmm. and all of a sudden after being in a certain company for about a decade or so they were looking at uh, employment challenges yeah at, at, at that point at that point uh, they were finding it a lot more difficult to actually um, um, get themselves noticed in the industry mm. just because they had remained stagnant yes. so it is important for people to not to remain stagnant because mm. because these things these 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 challenges these recessions will uh, are they 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 would recur uh, because of one reason or the yeah. other every every few years so so uh, one of the things that i found at that point in time was mm-hmm. that uh, not to remain stagnant now the big problem with, with with not being stagnant is that in especially in technology mm-hmm. you are actually sitting looking at a fire hose of information and new technologies and new developments yeah. coming in so what to learn and how much what to learn what to learn how much to learn yeah true yeah so um what i normally tend to do is that i try to introduce myself to every new technology not mm-hmm. in a huge amount of depth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, you necessarily i necessarily don't have the capacity to learn everything in a mm-hmm. in a huge amount of depth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but i at least learn their fundamentals okay and yeah and understand how they can be used mm-hmm. and uh, then i have a just in time learning model so when i need to use that then i can pick it up again mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and then learn it in a little bit more depth yeah. to be able to use it at the time when i have to but mm-hmm. it is important to at least be aware of what's out there yeah. so that you can talk about it but when it comes to using it then and 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 have the fundamental knowledge on how it works so that mm-hmm. when you have to pick it up and look at it in depth mm-hmm. or in detail you you are able to do it very well you are able to do it what about right now do you see that this is the same thing happening as of 2008 or is just the hype that we are creating do you think that recession is going to hit after corona or not what what are your predictions uh i think there will be an impact uh mm-hmm. now how deep that i'm i'm not an economist to actually um, uh, sort of uh, say how deep it is going to be or how long mm-hmm. is it going to be but mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. i think there will be an impact um there are there, but there there will be there will be a lot of opportunities over there as well um mm-hmm. so uh you if if you if you go in, and especially for people in 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 digital technologies there are mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh They, they, it may be a challenging time for the next maybe 3 to 6 months time mm-hmm. but what it what has happened here is that um, just because of the social distancing and lockdowns 
uh, a, mm -hmm. a huge part of the industry in, in, in several sectors. Mm -hmm. uh, we have realized that how badly the industry was prepared for an event like this. True, true. So, so, so there are, right now there are lots of companies and uh, institutions who are taking a long, hard look at their digital mm. technology landscape and mm. trying to understand what could have been done differently or better mm. to have uh, uh, to have uh, persevered through this challenge better. I can mm. give you a very simple example. I can give you a very simple mm. example that I was uh, trying to find out about my home insurance uh, when it's going to be renewed. So found out that their call center cannot work because of this, because they have, uh, oh. because of social distancing and no, nobody there to answer my right. call. And uh, uh, in fact, and, and, and it's a very simple technical problem in the sense mm. that mo mm. most call centers are actually using mm -hmm. internet-based technologies for uh, yeah. managing calls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if they are using internet-based technologies for managing calls, why can't, uh, why couldn't that, system be made yeah. such that it would route calls to people's homes and home the well, yeah. their, home, their, their homes as well and they should be able to take pick up calls from their yeah. homes yeah yeah but 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 people never thought about it so now now that firm mm -hmm. is getting hit because they're giving a poor customer experience to their yeah. customers right right and if i were to kind of like if i if i were to renew my home insurance i'd be looking for a firm that is up and running that is up and running technological advancement yeah, yeah <laughs> so so there, there there is a lot of uh, if, if you look at uh, financial times or mm. uh, any other and look at surveys mm. of what mm. companies are thinking of is going to be their next initiative next, mm -hmm. next initiative after mm -hmm. after the coronavirus uh, mm -hmm. pandemic uh, most of them are talking about taking another look at their uh, digital landscape mm -hmm. and improving that. So mm -hmm. there are huge opportunities for technologists over here. Mm -hmm. uh, all they have to do is to persevere through this challenging time right now. Yeah, pursue it. Do you see that this, this, this new era modernization into technology, is it acceptable right now from our industry or not? Are industries ready for it or not? How are employees reacting to it? How our bosses are reacting to into it? How people are adapting this thing, this this whole change of twenty first century? So there are two aspects to it, and uh, one aspect is the human and the organizational aspect, yeah. and the other aspect mm -hmm. is the technology aspect. Technology so readiness aspect. readiness comes readiness comes from 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 both angles, mm. and uh, yeah, the. the I, I love to say this, uh, technology is built for humans, by humans and for humans kind of like Born, a situation. Yeah. So, so, so it's not technology is never done for technology's sake. And if you're doing technology yeah, for technology's sake, then you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. So um, you need to have, you need to have your people ready. Uh, mm -hmm. If, if, if mm -hmm. you, if you, if you need to transform your organization, mm -hmm. whether it's mm -hmm. uh, using mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. in AI mm -hmm. or building chatbots or going for, cloud migration mm. you need to have your people ready for it you need to have your organization ready for it mm. and you need to have a mm. you need to have mm. technological readiness in place mm -hmm. to be able to deal with it if uh, mm. if, if you want to go mm -hmm. uh, if you if you want to go into a new dimension mm. in technology so uh, as far as people readiness is concerned um, skills are the are the simplest part of 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 that True. Uh, getting people newer skills and mm. i'm right now talking about the technologists and i'll come also to people who are going to get impacted because of this also. So as far as technologists is concerned, skills is, is a simple part. 
mm-hmm. a bigger 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 challenge is, uh, is 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 their desire to actually adopt new skills and learn something new and, and, and work uh, work with that new thing so uh, so your recruitment goes a long way in making sure that you have a grow, you have a you have a uh, you have an organization with people mm-hmm. that have growth mindset and mm-hmm. they are able to they are able to learn new skills and adapt mm-hmm. to new ways of working mm-hmm. and new paradigms and technologies mm-hmm. coming through mm-hmm. now that's the technology part of the organization the, the, the then is the uh, business part of the organization so when mm-hmm. the, whenever some new technological advancement going to come in there is going to be a lot of fear yeah within the organization especially on the mm. business side mm-hmm. our chatbots going to replace me or is ai going to is is going to take ai going to take over my job job mm-hmm. so it is important that uh we uh bring these technologies in in a mm-hmm. way that we empower people so yeah. that uh, so, mm-hmm. so there is uh, there there is something that this uh, the, the the these change uh, the the change actually elevates people it empowers them it it makes mm-hmm. them do their job better it makes mm-hmm. them more mm-hmm. uh, uh, professionally and personally mm-hmm. more uh, sort of um, uh, skilled mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and 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 better equipped for their mm-hmm. for their careers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if you have if you, if you if you bring technology with that aim and if you mm-hmm. communicate it to your organization with that mm-hmm. perspective mm-hmm. then your organization will be from a human perspective mm-hmm. uh, would be uh, would be more acceptable to that change yes. and they will mm-hmm. they will not resist that change mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now that's that's the human side taken care of uh and then then is the organizational side on the organizational side mm-hmm. you will have to you'll have to see how you need to transform your organization mm-hmm. for for this new technology because your business processes will have to change yes. your technology processes will have to change your mm-hmm. uh, customer services will have to change all the, mm-hmm. so just bringing a new technology on the side and continuing with the old processes mm-hmm. is going to render this new technology ineffective yeah right. and uh, it'll be a huge amount of time and money wasted in bringing mm. that new technology right. so the biggest challenge organizations face in that kind of a transformation is the management uh, especially the middle management which is commonly which is to as the, which is commonly referred to as the frozen middle because because <laughs> they start they start feeling that uh, this change we is we are going to impact. be removed or we are going to be kicked out exactly. something like that we will yeah. we'll be will be redundant and all that so mm-hmm. so so again it, at that point in time it's again the people problem so mm-hmm. so the fear so mm-hmm. so you, we need mm-hmm. to we, mm-hmm. we we had to we had to counter we have to counter the fud factor fud is fear mm-hmm. uncertainty and doubt so yeah. so, so we have to <laughs> we have to keep, tackle their fear the fear mm-hmm. uncertainty and doubt of mm-hmm. the management mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, get them to engage with that organizational mm-hmm. transformation so that yeah. your business processes and your technology mm-hmm. operate and operations mm-hmm. uh, are, are are streamlined with the technology mm-hmm. that you are bringing mm-hmm. in and mm-hmm. is used most mm-hmm. effectively mm-hmm. and then comes the technological part of it yeah yeah and in the technological part how have you been building your uh, systems mm-hmm. previously and how rigid they are or how flexible mm-hmm. they are is mm-hmm. going to determine how easily the new technology that you're going to bring in right. is going to be incorporated yeah so right. another very interesting uh, 
quote that I have is, uh, what if, uh, uh, what if uh, we treated humans like we treat technology that uh, when you go for a new pair of sneakers, uh, the salesman says that, uh, oh, you'll need a foot transplant to try our latest range of sneakers. I mean, that's, that's how we, 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 we if, if a technology is built like this, that you have to yeah. hack it into pieces yeah. to, uh -huh. to uh -huh. bring in some uh -huh. new change in, yeah. then you're not ready from the technology perspective. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an engineering, it's an engineering problem. How uh -huh. you engineer flexible systems. Yeah. So now I don't know whether I've answered your question or not, but, but these no, are no, the you just, yeah, you, you're, you have given a very good outlook of what exactly it's coming up. So yeah. And this one more thing that, so after working for 10 or 20 years, somebody has asked you to learn something new and go into this new field, yeah. how much difficult it is. And, you know how you can overcome that 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 seniority complex that you have that now i do not need to learn anything i i know everything how can you just overcome that and learn something new and dig into some new field or do something like that so so uh, one thing that i've learned over one thing that i've learned and one thing that i know i don't know if, uh, <laughs> one thing that i know is that you can never you can never say that uh, you you know everything and you you've learned mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. Now the seniority complex, uh, not sorry, the seniority. What the word did you use? The seniority. Uh, the seniority complex. It means that I'm senior. I have worked yeah. uh, so and so years. How can I learn something new? And people are so much like that. That I'm so old now. I'm 35. I'm 40. I cannot learn a new thing. It's very difficult okay. for me. Something like that. Yeah. So what do you so advise? So it's, 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 it's very interesting. I, I, last I used JavaScript was 2002 and two, mm -hmm. two weeks ago I had to, I had to look into a JavaScript code uh, again and uh, I took, it took me half a weekend to pick up JavaScript mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, a month ago I was working with uh, a fresh grad at work and uh, uh, where we needed to look at Kotlin based code. And mm -hmm. I had never done Kotlin before and her mm -hmm. and I sat down and we learned Kotlin in two days. Mm -hmm. Now you're never too old to learn things. Mm -hmm. Now you may say that this is not the direction where I want my career to go. That's a different mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, if somebody is saying that I'm too old to learn something or if somebody is saying that I'm too, uh, I, I don't want to know, know I, I know everything then, then, mm -hmm there are question marks on their mindset. Mm -hmm. So they don't have a growth mindset. If you have people mm -hmm. in your organization which don't have a growth mindset and you have, then, then you're looking at bigger problems than just simply telling somebody or, or, or mm -hmm. dealing with the resistance in terms mm -hmm. of like learning mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. So first of all, it, it, it then comes down to your recruitment strategies. Are you recruiting people mm -hmm. with growth mindset? How are you evaluating mm -hmm. people? Are you only evaluating do that they know Java mm -hmm. or Python or are you evaluating mm -hmm. whether they can Mm -hmm. grow mm -hmm. themselves mm -hmm. professionally so so i i would more than seniority i would look at maturity mm -hmm. is, is is this person mature to understand organizational decisions is this person yeah. mature to have mature to have a rational conversation about the change that we are that that an organization mm -hmm. is asking them to mm -hmm. uh, adopt mm -hmm. so so i would any day of the week, I would go for a less skilled person with a growth mindset and a mature mm -hmm. attitude mm -hmm. than a very skilled person with a fixed mindset, uh, mm -hmm. a very, very skilled, very senior person with a, with a fixed mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So, so yeah. that's 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 my take on the situation. Yeah. That's great. So, um, given everything, uh, what do you think? What is getting old in the industry of today, and what is getting new, and what is very charming? How how does new people should get into the technological field? So. Um, Technology is quite uh, quite quickly becoming uh, sort of the bedrock of nearly everything yeah. in in, mm. in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, in in this COVID situation, I've uh, seen uh, doctors coding uh, systems or programs to mm. analyze their data to uh, match mm. uh, volunteers with the mm. NHS mm. staff. Mm -hmm. It's it's, it's mm -hmm junior doctors mm -hmm. sitting down and uh, spinning up a Java ID or uh, <laughs> Python ID and then writing yeah. code to actually process data. So uh, modern professionals, all modern professionals will need to understand, learn, interact with technology mm -hmm. uh, to, be, to be proficient. So, mm -hmm. and, and for most of us, it's going to be our job. So mm -hmm. while we will still have specialized programmers who will uh, mm. be building large systems and large mm -hmm. frameworks mm -hmm. but you will have uh, uh, you will have people who will be writing uh, the code that actually helps them solve problems on mm -hmm. those larger mm -hmm. systems and frameworks mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's 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 almost going to be a necessity in in maybe 10 mm -hmm. years time or even sooner than that Mm. for people who want to do their job well to be mm. able to have a certain amount of understanding of mm -hmm. uh, coding and technology now the interesting thing over here is that i i keep telling people that it's not it's not a computation is a human instinct so if you mm. if you look at if you look at how old computation is so algorithms and algebra which are the bedrock of uh, uh, computer science mm -hmm. were devised in the 10th century by al mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we didn't have algebra and if we didn't have algorithms, True. We, couldn't, we couldn't code. We couldn't and if code. we couldn't code, if we, if we couldn't code, then we wouldn't have had program, uh, computers and digital systems mm -hmm. and so on. So, mm -hmm. so it's, it's a human instinct. It's nothing new. It's, it's, yeah. it's, been, there, it's been there all along. It's just that we have started considering it as something very fancy and very mm. new and, uh, and so so i i normally try to um, sort of make people understand that it is something that will help them um, be more proficient in their lives mm -hmm. yeah. okay so which are the fields you would suggest that they would be very charming in upcoming years and students should 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 get enrolled into those fields and should you know get masters or whatever degree in those particular fields because i just heard one of my bosses say that you know we do not need website developers in upcoming years because all the websites are going to be drag and drop down kind of system so we, we would not be needing a website developer so what are what is your take on it so you may not be needing a website developer but you would also but you would still need a developer who would code that framework on mm -hmm. which you would be able to mm -hmm. drag and drop and mm -hmm. uh, put mm -hmm. things around. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, your uh, uh, lecturer was right in a way that saying that uh, you would have um, 
website development would be commoditized to a level where mm. that would no longer remain a specialized skill. Mm-hmm. But then that specialization will move somewhere else. That specialization, else, yeah, mo- yeah mm. that specialization will move into building the tools mm. that you would need to build those mm-hmm. websites. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's uh, every time, every time something gets commoditized, mm-hmm. then that specialization uh, needs to move somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And and then that's 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 how uh, that's how evolution in mm-hmm. systems and technologies mm-hmm. and uh, and in life in general works. Mm-hmm. So. If you if you're asking me what subjects that people should be looking at, mm-hmm. I would strongly suggest people to uh, on on at, at the bachelor level they they mm-hmm. should they should be looking at whichever field that they want that that interests them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if whether it's mechanical engineering or electrical engineering mm-hmm, or computer mm-hmm, science, mm-hmm. they should focus on or or they should try and look for a course. Mm-hmm. That builds on the foundations, mm-hmm. and and then gives them a solid foundation mm-hmm. with some way of how to learn on top of that solid foundation as as, okay. as new things emerge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so right. it is it is very important. It is very important to have have that. The at at the master's level. So I normally recommend people to have about five years of uh, a gap. Mm-hmm, four to five years mm-hmm, of a gap between mm-hmm. their bachelors and their masters, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that way, what what happens is that they, when once they take their bachelor's degree and they work for about three mm-hmm, to five years, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the time when they understand or find out new things that interest mm-hmm, them, and mm-hmm. that five year time is a time when they can do a, some sort of a career, re- or or a career course correction sort of a thing where mm-hmm. they say that okay, maybe I want to go in this direction or that direction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For that. The interesting areas that are coming in is cloud technology is 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 gonna is, is in need of some really strong strong professionals. It's uh, mm. while everybody's moving on on onto cloud systems, they are mm-hmm. kind of like finding that most such ventures are suboptimal, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of pain in cloud migration, cloud transformation, and digital transformation okay. as such. So, mm-hmm. so that's that. Digital transformation, it in itself as a subject, is going to be hugely, profoundly important mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. not not just from a technology perspective, but also from the human and the organizational perspective. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, so it's not, as I said, it's not just technology for technology's sake. It's it's, it's mm-hmm. technology for humans. We are building mm-hmm. technology for humans mm-hmm. and bringing that entire uh, framework together mm-hmm. of humans, mm-hmm. organizations, and technology mm-hmm. Is, mm-hmm. is is important and is overlooked most of the time. So, yeah. so so that that area is going to be digital transformation is going to be a mm-hmm. huge area mm-hmm. uh, that uh, post COVID nineteen world is going to be for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, and and then I think I think that's that's an area which students may find mm-hmm. very uh, uh, rewarding. Um, yeah. Then there are more specialized areas like machine learning and AI and data mm-hmm. science. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that they are going to get commoditized very, very quickly. Uh, okay. So it's they, they mm. are interesting areas, but mm-hmm. I think I think I think there will be a huge amount of commoditization. Mm. That commoditization in those areas is already happening. Oh, so okay. so so if somebody really is interested in AI and machine mm-hmm, learning mm-hmm, and data science. By all means, go and uh, do mm-hmm. a, do 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 a course in that. Mm-hmm. But um, but 
but be prepared that it's going to be it's going to get commoditized yeah right so here comes end of our interview i just want to ask lastly one thing what is the end game of umar bashir so people in my uh, people in my family don't retire <laughs> yeah <laughs> interesting that is very interesting <laughs> so people people in my family so uh, i remember this uh, very interesting uh, quote by benjamin franklin Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's words to the effect where he says that uh, I'm now uh, at the age of 44, I'm now retiring to a life of uh, worthwhile pursuits. Mm-hmm. So at the age of 44, he sold half of his business mm-hmm. and became financially independent. And that mm-hmm. financial independence gave him now he could have used that financial independence to actually go somewhere and have yeah. a relaxed life, have a relaxed life. Put, his, put his feet Up, but he did not. He discovered electricity after the age of forty-five. Mm-hmm. He wrote the American Constitution, and he had uh, several other achievements to mm-hmm. his uh, to his name. Mm-hmm. So, retirement uh, is uh, retirement should not be taken as 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 a milestone where you kind of like sit mm-hmm. back, and mm-hmm. stop. And, and from my perspective, retirement is an opportunity uh, mm-hmm. to to is an opportunity where you can practically do some. even greater things uh, because yeah. you have you have that flexibility because flexibility, you actually yeah. you achieve that you achieve that financial independence because mm-hmm. of your savings and investments and mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 your pension so you get that financial stability mm. so yeah, uh, and and once you have that then you have the opportunity and then you don't have to work for uh you know you don't have to, you, you can work for what you want to work for rather than mm. you have to, have to work for yeah uh, uh, having to work for it mm-hmm. but so just one piece of advice to the youth yeah. yeah so again uh never stop learning so that mm-hmm. you you can never i mean just just have a learning target for yourself mm-hmm. for every month or every fortnight mm-hmm. where you say mm-hmm. i'm going to look at something new and i'm going to mm-hmm. you don't have to learn it into its deeper darker corners you don't have to go into go yeah. into depth but at least because as i said before that everybody is looking mm. at a fire hose of information mm. uh, coming at them but pick one thing that uh, uh, sort of uh, links to your larger area of interest and learn mm-hmm. maybe learn something that is not in your area of interest because you may never know that that in, that that you develop a different area of interest after learning yeah true 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 so that's that's my advice never stop learning never stop growing thank you so much umar i hope that you have enjoyed this interview as much as i have it thank you very much for the opportunity i really did enjoy so it. yeah so that's great great talking to you so yeah. i think let's let's meet on one of our committee meetings because we always meet over tla pakistan yeah, yeah. sure thank okay. you so much take okay. care bye bye, bye.